0: Hello, everyone. This is Melinda Russell with the Women's Motorsports Network. And I'm pleased to have for my guest today, someone a little bit different. Because normally, Patrick, we have women on this podcast. But you're um, going to be one of our few men. But I feel like what you're doing and and your story is very pertinent to what I do and the women in motorsports. And so my guest today is Patrick Reynolds. And as I do with most of my guests, Patrick, I let you tell your story instead of me trying to do it secondhand. So why don't you start by just telling me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, family, pets, anything that you'd like to share, and then we'll get into um, what you're doing now. Sure.
1: Um, Thanks for having me on the show, Melinda. It's great to Check a box, so to speak, on <laughs> a women's motorsports network. Uh, mm-hmm. Allow a guy in here to tell his story. Yeah, uh, I'm a New England native. Grew up in Connecticut, and in Southern New England, that's kind of that uh, Northeast NASCAR tour type modified country. Uh, when I was a little kid, that you know those didn't exist. They were kind of jalopies, coops, pintos, gremlins, vegas, things like that. But mm-hmm. modifieds were king, and the Danbury Race Arena. In Connecticut it was my home track. Sadly, it is a shopping mall now. It uh, yeah. became that way in the 1980s, but uh, when, I, when I was younger, that's where I grew up. That's where I got the bug for the sport, the passion, the love of, uh, well, started with cars turning left, but then turned into all things motorsports. The, uh, the, the track closed. It was a fairgrounds. Uh, the property was sold, became a mall, but the racing passion was still in me i ventured out to other tracks there's some uh, fairly well-known tracks in southern new england as well probably uh, stafford speedway well-known yes. thompson in connecticut uh on the dirt side I, where i grew up it was very close to new york state which has a, quite a quite a few dirt tracks in it uh got old enough to turn wrenches so started off uh, like so many volunteer crew member on the modified cars both on pavement and dirt uh, got the bright idea to go racing myself. Brought it, bought an entry level street stock, went broke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go, go figure, right? Uh, go went figure. Back, went back to pit crewing uh, my buddy's cars, uh, both on dirt and asphalt. Took another stab at it. I didn't learn my lesson with going broke once. So I bought a late model, went went broke again. Uh, so went back to to the pit crew world. Uh, eventually, like like a lot of people they heed that call to uh, the Charlotte, North Carolina area to, to jump in with both feet in NASCAR as a career.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And people that don't understand that, I say, uh, if you want to be an actor, you move to L.A., you want to sing country music, you move to Nashville, you want to be right. involved in NASCAR full-time, you come to Charlotte. So I did. Uh, moving van, no job, got an apartment, and back in the days when you actually handed out paper resumes. Okay. Uh,
0: so
1: Yeah, I went door knocking with resumes looking for a job on a team, uh, you know, pit crew, mechanic, fabricator, what have you. Uh, Eventually worked my way in and some of the lower level teams. I shouldn't say lower level, but lower funded teams that were looking for cheap help. So I caught a break there and uh, worked my way around the NASCAR uh, Cup truck and at the time Bush series for several seasons. Uh, A few years uh, was on a plane every Thursday, flew home every Sunday uh, had a whole career in NASCAR. The 2008 recession fixed all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, many many people in the industry uh, lost their positions as, as jobs dried up, the economy changed. What, I think yeah. everybody in the country went through some kind of change or evolution during yes. those years. Mine as well. Uh, that's where I stumbled into radio. I was unemployed and was at, I believe, a chamber of commerce job fair or or networking function I can't even quite remember what it was but I was unemployed and I was just shaking hands looking for a job at that right. point. and I stumbled across a guy that said hey have you ever tried radio and I said no he said you want to give it a shot and kind of like my broadcast and journalism career was born that way by coincidence a local radio station was starting an auto racing talk show of all things, to walk into the right guy at the right time. Uh-huh. So I had, I had no on-air experience or training, but uh, I, I auditioned for the show the following week. The following, the week after that, we started the show full-time. I was hired as the co-host of this show. And so at least I had a job for one hour a week, every week. The owner of the station heard me and said, would you like to be the reader on the morning show? I said sure, so I I started that and uh, became the morning show sidekick role as well as news reader. <laughs> worked with a lot of uh, good people that that took me under their wing and showed me the broadcasting ropes. I began writing about the sport as well, and that was a time when a lot of the print was uh, decreasing and the internet mm-hmm. aspect of news coverage was increasing. So there was a lot of columnist positions available with various websites. So. Uh, be- kind of stumbled into broadcasting and journalism, but I had an auto racing background, so I was able to talk about it. So eventually, I had some skill, which I which I translate back to my theater days in high school <laughs> of just speaking to an audience yeah. and uh, convey a message. Evidently, I remembered a few things from my from my professors and directors and teachers back in, when I was a teen, and just transferred them decades later into motorsports and just tell a story and. Uh, The host of the original radio show, Auto Racing Talk Show, unbeknownst to me, was was shopping the show around a little bit. Another producer heard it. He gave me a call and said, would you like your own show? And Mm I began a long run, what we call uh, back then, it was this newfangled invention called internet radio. And now it's (laughs) called a very common term called podcast, which I'm on Absolutely. In, in 2008 or 9 or 10 this was a brand new concept that no one mm-hmm. was really grasping at the time now it's now it's an extremely common part of society so uh, from there that led to uh, uh, my own uh, online radio show still motorsports talk auto racing talk i was still writing and uh, working with the radio station that evolved to get uh, to build a relationship Well, actually, an entertainment company around Charlotte, North Carolina, and right now I'm currently a live MC for that business for a lot of concerts and festivals. But it's uh, the stage, it's the microphone, it's an Mm -hmm. audience. Somewhere along the way, I I learned how to do this, and I've retired from pretty much dirt under my fingernails, turning wrenches and cutting up metal to I talk a lot, as you can tell. You ask me one question. And I have now diatribing for I don't know how many minutes for you, but yeah, I, can, I can keep a conversation going and talk and communicate. And that's where I spend a lot of my time now. It's kind of shifted a little bit away from auto racing, but more towards local entertainment around the Charlotte, North Carolina area.
0: Well, you're the best kind of guest to have because you ask one question and you let them take care of the show. And I can just <laughs> sit back and enjoy listening to your story. So um, you're you're my most favorite kind of guest for sure. So isn't yeah. it funny I, uh, isn't that funny how you start down one path and then you take a little jog and a little jog and a little jog and to get to what you're doing today and you know a lot of people are nervous about speaking in front of people you have to be comfortable even if it's just a podcast you and I because we know that a lot of other people are going to see us and listen to us so You have to be comfortable having a conversation. And really, that's what it is. Even with your entertainment business, you're having a conversation with your audience.
1: I am uh, pride myself in the events that we have of audience engagement of don't just preach to them and talk to them, but but involve them, make them laugh, answer some questions, talk with them a little bit. And I uh, associate it with uh, being a roofer. And you'll see where I'm going with this is I'm afraid of heights. I, I can't get up on a ladder to change a light bulb. Yet yeah, there's guys that uh, put on new roofs for a living every single day right. and they hop on buildings and hop on yeah. houses. And I look up at these guys and go, how in the world can they do this? That w- that scares me to death. I I can't do it. I won't do it. And yet as comfortable as I am in front of an audience, I find that with a lot of people. And that they the last thing in the world, they, they want to get up in front of an audience and speak. Right. Public speaking is a top fear. like yes. You know, heights, snakes, flying, claustrophobia. Public speaking in front of an audience is right up there. Somewhere mm-hmm. along the way, I developed a comfort with it. Mo- no different than a roofer that would hop up on a ladder, get up on a roof with a pitch, and start peeling shingles off and replace yeah. and make a repair. I don't understand how they do that. yet yeah, they do it. They're just it's right. just how the brain is wired. Mine is wired similarly. Just in front of public speaking, get an audience just feel very comfortable and enjoy the experience of talking and entertainment uh, like that. And, um, you know, I can babble on and on. I can fill time. As you mentioned, a good, a good guest. I remember Waddell Wilson I had as a guest on air uh, several years ago. He is memorable because we, I asked him, uh, I asked him two questions and he did 26 minutes of live radio with me. Wow. And I only asked him two, two things. I probably started with, hey, how's it going? Thanks for being here tonight. And he rolled from one story to another. And partway through it, I asked him another question and he, he took the baton and ran with it. He was mm-hmm. those are for a host, as you understand and can relate. Those are the easiest guests yes. to have. You almost have the night off. You're just listening to great entertainment. But Waddell Wilson was fantastic on air. I remember that. How good he was.
0: Well, and I interview so many like younger girls or girls who've never done a podcast. And part of it, I feel like is I'm kind of helping them along, giving them a little bit of experience, you know, talking in front of people. But uh, sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get them to say more than one or two words at a time. And so, um, but, you know, you have a variety of guests and I've just learned how to pull those teeth out of those little girls and find out their stories. And, um, and so, you know, um, I love talking to people as well. And I don't have any trouble having a conversation with someone I just met, like we, we just met, uh, not, you know, not that long ago. So, <clears throat> so tell me where, what are you doing today specifically? How did you get there? and And what are some of your passions about what you do?
1: Well, I spend a lot of time on stage. As I said, there's uh, festivals and concerts around the Charlotte, North Carolina area, as well as north around Lake Norman. So I'm still in the heart of NASCAR country. I'm surrounded by a lot of professional shops. A lot of a lot of crew members are my friends. I know some drivers that are here throughout the years. But it's a place where when you go to another part of the country and you go to the racetrack and you were to see, I don't know, uh, you know, say, say Kyle Busch, you know, you, there would be a line for his autograph or photos and the fans would be kind of clambering. And if you were to bump into him here at the local Dunkin Donuts or Starbucks, it's just another day that ends in a Y. So it's still a neat place to live. I guess it's if if you lived in Hollywood and you saw the actors every day at coffee shops, just, just part of the, part of the culture where you are. So I spend a lot of time right now uh, in the music uh, business, music festival area uh, around the area, uh, spend a lot of time with that. And all of that has the roots back in auto racing for me that the broadcast on the on air and all these podcasts I did, uh, you know, weekly ones for years and years are better than 10 years. So I've got hundreds of, of broadcasts under my belt and that translated it's into what I'm doing now is with the entertainment and concert music business around Charlotte. Uh, the company I work for is Waves Entertainment, Waves Like the Ocean, or in a play on words with audio waves. And we provide stage and sound and LED walls for concerts. Okay. So I took an odd trip through short track racing, through NASCAR, through a recession broadcast writing to wind up with, uh, with Waves Entertainment in the music industry. But I, I take the strengths that I learned as an auto racing broadcaster and working in NASCAR and use those to entertain a crowd now in uh, music festivals. So we, I also do uh, public speaking, MC work, um, have some motivational inspirational talks I give to businesses and groups as well. So I've wound up spending a lot of time on some sort of a stage with a microphone talking to groups of people. And I think it was all because auto racing in the world of NASCAR led me in a direction and then one door just leads open the next one open the next one and it's a series of dominoes and i have a great time now i, I re, the same way i first got on air and radio i feel that same way now is that it takes me back to when i was a teenager and doing plays and musicals in high in high school which i was an odd kid because i was in shop class learning auto mechanics because i wanted to go racing yet at the same time i was doing theater And there was, there's no crossover in that Venn diagram (laughs) in high school. There's nobody taking shop class and also doing musical theater at the same time. They're very separate uh, friends groups that I have, but I was uh, kind of an oddball there and did, uh, had a lot of fun then. And I'm having a lot of fun now. Just uh, one, one door just continued to open another.
0: You know, and, and isn't that funny that back in those days, you had no idea where your life was going to go. And, and back when I was in high school in the 70s, um, and at that time, when I was a senior in high school, they had a co-op system. So you, if you could find a job, a part-time job, you could work a job either morning or afternoon and go to school the rest of the day. Yeah. So it just so happened that um, a friend of somebody, I don't even remember how I got this job, but I went to work for the county newspaper. So, you know, uh, small Counties in, you know, especially in the Midwest, have uh, a newspaper that covers the whole county. And so I went to work at the newspaper, and that was back in the day when you printed it off, printed your story off on a big piece yeah. of white shiny paper, and then you ran it through the beeswax machine so it waxed the back, and then you laid it out on the board, and and it stuck to the to the layout pages way back in the day, and so. I worked at a newspaper, go down the road about 15 years. And guess what I did? I took over the local newspaper in the little town where I lived in. Hmm. Now, had you said to me in high school, oh, someday you're going to own a newspaper or write uh, for an online magazine. Online wasn't even, you don't even know what that was in the seventies, but it turned out that what I did when I was in high school, I, I owned a weekly newspaper in Illinois for about 10 years from my little town. And then now I'm doing, besides the podcast, I do um, a, an online magazine all about women and motorsports. So all those things that you learned along the way were preparing you for where you are, same, same as I. But who would have guessed that that's where you were headed? Hmm
1: it's it's funny you i talk to a lot of people i know and i know more people that used to be in the nascar garage than are currently in the nascar garage it's really a, a revolving door of people that went in had a yes. career and got booted out and they're were, yeah. we're all doing different things yeah. now than when when uh, you know my friends were uh, 10 15 years ago and just people outside of racing as well you ask them what their degree is in or what they learned when they were younger and they're not doing anything now relative you know what 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 they what their education is in um you said something earlier we were talking about uh radio guests earlier and how you talked to some of the younger younger ladies younger women on your show and when i've it triggered a memory of mine when i always spoke to younger folks on my show as well i did some older veterans i talked to some new people going up Growing up, coming up through the ranks. I mean, I had Bubba Wallace on my show when he was a teenager, <laughs> still as a guest, and a lot of these uh, kids at the time—they're adults now—but they they went through media training, and there was no media training for race car drivers when I grew up. You know, I, don't, I think Richard Petty was a natural at it. But like, you know, Bobby Allison, Cale Yarbrough, David Pearson were the Giants at the time. Daryl Waltrip was the new kid on the block. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was no real media training. But the guys that got knew what to do and figured it out on their own and what a Mm -hmm. tool that media was, how good it was for sponsorship, as well as growth of the sport and their own branding and personality, they outshined the rest of, uh, of the field. And these, the younger folks, like the younger ladies you talk about, I, I appreciate the struggle at times with some of them, not all yeah. of them. But they're trained to speak in 30-second sound bites. And there's yeah. a time for that. There's a time on radio and a time for TV when you don't want to go on and on. I'm real good at going on and on, but I can shorten it <laughs> up too, depending on the situation. Yeah. And the younger, uh, if I was to say anything to the younger generation, is learn the difference with that. This type of format, Melinda, that you have as a nice foundation for storytelling, elaboration, details, uh, you know, talk some details on it. Don't just Q and A, Q and A, Q and A, boom, boom, boom the whole time. So I hope if a younger person sees this, uh, recognize a little bit of time when you can let your hair down, tell a story, elaborate, let us get to know you a little bit, but there are times on a live broadcast. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom that 30-second soundbite answer. Yeah. Make sure you, you thank the pit crew, the team, and the sponsors as well as answer the interviewer's question. It's not easy. It, it takes some people decades to learn that uh, yes. or just recognize that. But uh, hopefully the young ladies that you are uh, interviewing, they they know as their careers grow when they're on TV, they know how to answer that right, but also recognize there's a time when they sit with you. Let your hair down. Elaborate. Right. Let's, let's learn a little bit more about you. I think that's fascinating for you know I'm interested in hearing an eighteen year old's viewpoint as much as I'm hearing of an eighty year old's retired viewpoint and what they've seen their entire life. i'm I'm interested in both perspectives and uh, would like to hear more from the young folks. I think it's wonderful.
0: yeah, i and and I agree with that because I do interview a range of people as as you know, you said you did too. And you know, there's things that the younger generation have never even heard of. When mm-hmm. you, if you wanted to mention newspapers they may not know what that is they'd be like a weekly newspaper you what, know what was that Daily uh, and, newspaper even yeah exactly so so i do I do love to hear their story and one of the things that I did when I owned my newspaper was um it was called the Eagle news mm-hmm. because we I lived right along the Mississippi River and it was the winter nesting ground of the American Bald eagle. So the name of the newspaper was the Eagle News, and we called ourselves the Good News Paper because the county paper that I worked for way back in high school covered the obituaries and the murders and all those things, and they didn't need to hear that from me. So what what I did was good news stories, human interest stories, school, sports, etc., because everybody has a story. And and that was the thing that I enjoyed the most was telling people's stories. And I didn't want to report on the murders and the obituaries and all those things. And so, um, you know, you talk about kind of pulling things out of people. Um, that's the fun part, because you never know, especially a younger girl, you really never know what they might say. And <laughs> it can be very interesting at times to find out some of their answers so i i love what i do for sure
1: everybody's got a story but it's up to us to ask them and and get them to tell it yeah i uh the radio station that i used to work for it was it was tough to uh i guess um promote good news because we could watch the the clicks on the news website when we would promote news stories and it's a it's a it's a morbid phrase but it was true and that it was called, if it bleeds, it leads. Oh. And the dark stories of tragedy yeah. and death, they would have by far the most reads and the most clicks. And yeah. the good stories of you know someone, one teacher of the year, or a policeman was honored for service or something like that, the readership was down. But when you had a tragedy, sadly to I say, know. there was just so much news traffic it's, you know, the, the, the theory of the accident on the highway, everybody slows down to take a look. It's yeah. sad. It's society, but unfortunately good news, you know, it's tough to sell. And that's why there's it so is. much uh, fear and mayhem in mainstream media. I could do a whole podcast on that.
0: But oh yeah. yeah.
1: You know, just oh, tragedies. Yeah. That's what, that's what sells, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's what leads every nightly news story <laughs> and, and the, you know, unfortunately, the front pages of yeah. most newspapers, if you read them online or wherever, and and that is very sad that that's the society that we live in. But um, mm-hmm. it's it's a the same reason why a lot of people go to the racetrack. What do they want to see? Do they want to see a good race, or do they want to see the wrecks? Yeah. They want to. They want to see the wrecks.
1: Yeah, I was <laughs> a guy that wanted to see the good racing. I, Me too. I, I thought, I thought a good race was one with a lot of passing and not a lot of accidents. That was a good yeah. race to me. If I didn't see an accident, I was happy. I wanted yes. to see literal racing, like side by side, let's pass, let's compete. Uh, but that's what I wanted to see for a race. The ones, the ones that claim that people went to see the accidents were the people that I asked, well, do you go to the race? And they said, no, they don't go. So I wonder, mm-hmm. there was a disconnect there. It's like, yeah. well, how do you know people are going for the accidents when you're not going yourselves and don't get to know these people? Now, I, I considered an accident or a crash in a race much like a hard hit or a hard tackle in a football game. You don't mm-hmm. want to see anybody hurt, but the, that spectacular value that it added to the sporting event, it's, yeah. it's there. You know, that, that, wow, I saw this incredible crash. Thank goodness nobody was hurt. But it was spectacular to witness. You can yeah. say that. But I, I never went to a, a, a race rooting for a big wreck. Never, actually, yeah. I've went been to plenty of races where there were too many wrecks, and it drove <laughs> drove me nuts. When you have, if you've been, you know, in the short track world, go a lap. There's a caution. Go a lap. There's a yes. caution. Yes, that drives me bananas. Uh, I've, I, sat, I just, I've
0: sat through many a race yeah. that looked like that. not my favorite kind of race.
1: No, I'm I'm for, I'm for, I'm happy green to checkered, green, white, checkered,
0: done.
1: And zip right along. That's a good race to me.
0: Yeah. So what's the, what's your favorite thing about your life, your job, what you do, you know, if you had to pick one or two things, (laughs) what keeps you involved? What makes you happy at the end of the day that this is what you're doing?
1: I think the reaction from the audience in the community there's a much if you want to put it in the context of letters to the editor from a newspaper for every letter you got, there were probably ninety nine that were not ever written or right. sent to you. Mm-hmm. And most people will complain versus write a letter to say something nice. Yes. So if you do that math on what we do now at the festivals, the community is very supportive and they do come up to us after a show and say, hey, that was great. Thank you for putting this on. My family was here. We had a great time. Uh, friends get together. So there's that community feeling that we are actually serving uh, the community right now in a, in a big, big way. And especially we all took that for granted in 2020
0: yeah.
1: when it when our lives were turned upside down and when 21 rolled around and things started to slowly, step by step, return back to 2019 and previously, people took live events and community and gathering for granted. And I don't yeah. think they do anymore. They understand, hey, there's a festival. Hey, there's a concert. Let's go. Because they had it taken away from them. They remember. Yeah. So there's the the crowds are tremendous right now. And I think that really makes me happy and satisfied right now. And I think if I look back on the racing aspect of it, if I can give a second answer to the same question, sure. The racing aspect was was thing, places I got to go, things I got to see and people I got to meet. Uh, you know, being in racing in the upper levels of NASCAR, I got to rub out al- elbows briefly. I mean, just for a moment or two with some pretty cool celebrities.
0: Yeah.
1: I uh, got to meet some, some, uh, really, you know, famous people along the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Hollywood and music types got to meet some famous racers as well. You know, everybody from you know, the legends of Richard Petty, Mario Andretti, you know, AJ Foyt, the unsers Bobby Allison going on and on and on. I don't know if I've ever had a chance to meet them and talk yeah. to them, at least for a few minutes in my life, if I wasn't involved in the sport. So I've uh, been able to meet a lot of uh, neat, interesting, fascinating people, celebrity wise through motorsports and and even through the local community, uh, just just mayors and citizens that yeah. are around Charlotte, North Carolina. I think that's a very satisfying part of my life is just, you know, meeting people and, and giving something to them, uh, letting them, creating something where they have fun and have a good time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm totally with you there because the, the, I used to be involved in politics and I won't bore you with that, but (laughs) I did enjoy, I did enjoy it. And, and funny enough, I wrote, uh, we had a monthly newspaper newspaper that went out to um, all of the Illinois. I was uh, involved in the Illinois Federation I guess I will tell you, Illinois Federation of Republican Women. And so I cre- I was the treasurer for six years. And then I, I ran the, the newsletter, which turned into a newspaper uh, for six years. And um, I met some very important people, uh, politicians, um, you know, celebrities through that. But then also through motorsports, because we're seeing more and more people from other you know, like from the movie industry, especially the music industry, is mm-hmm. really getting involved in motorsports, and so um, what fun it is to meet them and some of the drivers and their wives. I I've met some amazing wives of uh, people that drive, you know, NASCAR mm-hmm. that have actually become friends with me. Uh, if it makes you feel good to be able to walk down mm-hmm. pit row. And, you know, people recognize you as far as, hey, she's a friend. She's watched my son race. She's what, you know, that kind of thing. And it just makes you feel good to know that you've made friends along Mm -hmm. the way. And and as I say quite often, if, God forbid, motorsports goes away tomorrow, I still would have all those friendships. And that's the thing Mm -hmm. for me that I take away with, you know, every day is the people that I meet, the people that I interview and talk to, and and they're going to be my friends now, you know, no matter what. So mm-hmm. that's my favorite part and my passion. So I answered my own question. How's that going? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I think you did a wonderful job. Uh, I, I You say things, and it reminds me of, of uh, piggybacking that question with some of the women that I have met in in motorsports uh and has had some of them on air as my radio guests but uh, you know Janet Guthrie Shirley Muldowney uh, Lynn St James uh, mm-hmm. talked to Danica Patrick you know the the, the pioneers the the women that yeah. are uh, you know mo- movers and shakers right. making an impact in the sport in a male-dominated sport I've had the pleasure of sitting with them and having a one-on-one with them for you know sometimes 15 minutes or longer Uh, but just have that time. It's like, who gets to say that? Who gets to do that? That you've met these people. Yeah, Uh, I've admired them from afar when I was younger. And then uh, when you get to meet them and sit them, I I don't want to take away from that experience. I want to absorb that and say, Hey, uh, racing has allowed me to meet some very cool yes. people and do some really cool things. And I'm, I'm thrilled with that, that I had the opportunity. Like life is more about experiences and less about stuff as I get older. So oh. let me have the experiences. I'll, let me meet some cool people.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I sometimes wonder as parents, um, you know, I have my oldest daughters in her forties. My youngest two daughters are in their um, mid thirties. And you sometimes wonder when you think back on Christmases and birthdays, you know, it was about stuff back in those days um, more than I think it is today. I think the younger people are more in tune to experiences and things, um, at least the ones that I uh, seem to hang out with. And and a good example is my one of my daughters is um, 34. She has a daughter that's 12 who is a Swifty. Do you know what a Swifty is? <laughs> I
1: sure do. I, so, I, my, my daughter's 17, so yeah.
0: <clears throat> oh, you definitely know what the Swifties are. So um, that's all she could talk about for months is all these, you know, she went to go to a show and see, a, see the concert. Well, of course, the Phoenix concert was sold out and that's where they live in California. All these different places, my daughter tried to get tickets. And so she ended up, my daughter's a travel agent, by the way, so traveling to go for a weekend is no big deal for her. She okay. ended up getting two tickets in the second row at the at the recent concert in Kansas City. Wow. And the emotion on not only my granddaughter's face, but my daughter's face experiencing her daughter's first concert. Mm-hmm. It was about the experience. It, and, yeah. and my daughter said, yeah, it costs way too much money. I don't care because right. we will never, ever forget this experience. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, yeah, my, uh, my, my, I took my daughter to her first concert several years ago. Uh, we saw Panic! at the Disco. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost me nearly as much as what a Taylor Swift concert cost your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it was her first concert and it was about that experience right and nothing will ever take away that memory i think there is a shift generationally of the younger generation thinking more about experiences versus Mm -hmm. stuff and i think uh, maybe possibly in the years when you and i grew up stuff was considered success it was a success symbol when you had stuff cars boats houses what have you so that's how we were raised and we didn't yeah. know any better. And as life evolves, I kind of look back and say, yeah, I don't really need more stuff to put in a box to move to another house, yeah. but I could always use more memories. That's, that's, uh, that's fun yeah. stuff. So kudos to your daughter. That's great oh. for going, spending the money and just slapping the car down and say, let's go for it. That's great. Uh,
0: you know, and we all, her, she has two sisters and are, you know, my, my other two daughters and I, We live vicariously through Instagram and Reels, and we felt like we were there with them because um, of all the things that she shared with us. And so those are the other things about experiences. Excuse me, my um, youngest two daughters live in Arizona, so I miss out on certain things that their kids do. But FaceTime and all those things allow me to experience what they're doing. And so, you know, back to that, I think COVID had a lot to do with why, you know, my daughter and many others feel that experiences are more important than the things. And Mm -hmm. and that's something I try to get across to women who have not been to a NASCAR race, a local short track race, whatever it might be. I want them to go and experience a race in person, not just on TV, and the same with you with your concerts and your festivals. You know, oh, you could read about it or you could watch the news clip on TV, but you need to be there. Mm-hmm. You need to feel the vibe and all that. And so, um, I think what you're doing is bringing memorable experiences to families, right? And Hope so that's the goal. Yeah, and racing. Hopefully we're bringing new people to the track to experience races in person.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been to other professional sporting events as well. And TV doesn't capture any of them no, like in real life, but I would say racing auto racing more than the others because it touches more of the senses. Yes. I, I, I say, I've, you know, I've been to a, a basketball game, you know, the NBA team here in Charlotte I've been to the Knicks and a few other teams, but it's not a sport I feel. And Mm -hmm. in auto racing, you literally feel it, especially if anyone, I mean, if you've ever been to an NHRA event and seen top fuel cars launch off the You vibrate
0: in your seat. You feel it. You
1: (laughs) feel it. You can't feel a basketball game, but there's the, the vision, the sound, the smell, and the feel. And the energy and the excitement, I so agree. it goes for racing to to an uh, exponential degree, in my opinion. Yeah. But anything in life, yeah, take the opportunity to go, spend the money on the ticket. Yeah. Grab the flight, you know, money. Yeah, whatever. I I, I get it. You know, you got, you can't be make stupid decisions with money. We all do anyway.
0: But yeah, but. <laughs> I recommend
1: it, but you know, nothing will t- will take away that that memory. Um, no. So yeah, I, I recommend go to the sporting event, go to the concert. Go and experience it. It's it's well worth it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We may have gotten off track a little, but I think this is important, what we've been talking about. So off Patrick. Track. <laughs> hey, I didn't even think of that. It's just my normal vocabulary. Anything motorsports. So what would be something that I haven't asked you or we haven't talked about that you definitely want to make sure that people who listen to this podcast know about you, about what you do, or about plans for the future? Uh,
1: as far as I go, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm embracing the unknown right now. The I say that in regards to auto racing. I'm not involved in it on a day-to-day basis, but I've had some projects come in, some projects go out, and I'm thinking about what I would do next involved in the sport. Uh, probably from a a broadcast or writing or journalism aspect to it. So possibly do something. Uh, I've never been not involved in the sport. Some things have come in, some things have come out. Mm -hmm. I'm currently don't have a current project, but certainly would be open-minded to something, either hopping on board with somebody else or maybe creating one of my own. And I'm not getting away from music and festivals either though. Uh, That, that, business, that concept, and that community is really going strong around Charlotte. And I, it's a lot of fun and I'll stay with that and enjoy that. And then still keep the door open for, for an auto racing side project. Uh, You know, never really not been involved in the sport. So we'll see. I'm i I'm open-minded to jumping back in with something cool.
0: Well, that's exciting. And I, you know, it'd be hard to give up the festivals and things. I know it's a long day. It's a lot of work. It can be hot. It can rain. It can be all kinds oh, yeah. of things, but it can also it also gives you chance to see and and experience, again, so many things that you wouldn't get to do otherwise. And up close and personal. That's the thing. You know, you're right up there where you get to see, you know, the crowd and the backstage and all that together. Mm. And so that's that's really a fun part of that as well. Yeah. So. And
1: similarity to that in, in auto racing was that people would use their time off to come see what you did for a living. Yes. And that's a cool concept is like they're, you know, they're they're five o'clock, they clock out and then they yep. want to head to where you are, where you're working to watch and see right. and experience. That's a neat feeling. And I guess yeah. both industries have that in common, how they give back to the community.
0: I think they do for sure. Cool. Well, I have really enjoyed Patrick learning more about you and what you do and I had a suggestion that I should reach out to you and that was a good a good suggestion and I'm so glad that I was able to connect with you and and have you on the show is there any last comments or words that you want to share before I let you go
1: Yeah, I I leave with a lot of this is don't be afraid. And this is generated towards the younger, younger groups in the audience. When I was their age and these teens that are coming up through racing, when I was that age, I didn't do a lot. or I I did a bunch, but there were things I did not do out of fear. And Mm -hmm. if I could redo my life and advice I would give younger folks is don't be afraid. Go take a chance. Go take a risk it's okay to fail. It's okay to fall. You pick yourself back up and you move forward. A couple times I double clutched and pumped the brakes in life out of fear. And I probably should have just rolled the dice and gone for it because I was young and got the time and the ability to make a mistake and get back up and correct it. It's going to be okay. Life will be okay. But just those are my three words of advice. Don't be afraid.
0: Oh, that's great advice too. I, I love that. And, you know, even as a 67 year old grandmother of 16 wow (laughs) sometimes I have fears about things should I do should I and I need to take your advice as well because even at my age sometimes there's things that I think I'm too old I'm you know I'm not in the right shape this and that but no I need to reach out and and do the same so I appreciate that advice not only for the younger girls but for myself as well
1: I had a radio colleague with words of advice to me says if if uh if you're scared of it you should do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's
1: something to sit on and think about, but those were wise words.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, Patrick, I have really enjoyed speaking with you today. This has been fun and I'm it's it's nice to have a change of pace from the normal kind of interviews that I do. And so this was a breath of fresh air for me.
1: I hope you had fun, Melinda. I did too. Thank you so much for having me on the show and on the network. I enjoyed it. Let's do it again.
0: All right. Let's do it again. Thank okay. you. Okay.
1: Thank you, Melinda. Appreciate it. Bye.